welcome to Emmanuel Baptist Church Paducah's podcast, where each week we share the sermon from our most recent Sunday morning worship service. At Emmanuel, we are a vibrant community of faith seeking to become more mature followers of Jesus. We invite you to join us. All are welcome. Thanks for listening today. As I have grown older, I know I'm not old, but I have to put low lights in my hair now for the grays to go away, so I am older. As I've grown older, I've enjoyed getting to know my cousins better. We didn't grow up in the same town, didn't grow up in the same state, so it's special when we get to visit. A few years ago, my cousin Krista and her husband Josh came to visit me in Virginia, and at the time, both Krista and Josh were in the food industry, specifically the cake industry and the pizza industry. They're a power couple. I was curious about the ins and the outs of both foods. And Josh, who managed a pizza place at the time, he left no stone unturned. While they were visiting, Josh's pizza place was ranked number one of 26 in the greater Columbus, Ohio area. Now, you might think that Josh's pizza success only had to do with sales, only had to do with numbers, but that was just one indicator. Josh explained his pizza place used five measurements to determine success. First, one measure is sales. The second was food quality. Is there enough cheese? Never is the answer, but is there enough cheese? And have the pepperonis been placed correctly? The third measure was quality of employees. The fourth, the product score, which is measured by an undercover pizza visitor who takes a picture of the pizza. And the fifth measure is CSC, or customer service compliance. Were deliveries made on time? Were the customers satisfied? So based on these five measures, the pizza place can determine if it is successful. Measures of success are important in life, aren't they? Measurements can tell us how we're doing. Measurements can hold us accountable. Measurements can tell us how successful or not we are. We measure the distance we run or walk by checking our Fitbits or our Apple Watches or the pedometers on our phones. We measure how much of a house payment we can make according to our salaries. If we want to measure how we're doing at school, we can look at our grades. If we want to measure our health, we look at our blood pressure or cholesterol levels or how we're sleeping. Measurements can be helpful, but sometimes we use a good tool of measurement at the wrong time. You wouldn't grade an essay with a yardstick or take your blood pressure with a tire gauge, would you? Of course, both a yardstick and a tire gauge, they're both helpful. They're helpful tools of measurement, but when they're used at the wrong time, they aren't. And sometimes we get to liking one tool of measurement so much that we apply it to every situation. We overuse the tool. When it comes to success in the church, one good but overused 
tool of measurement is number. Now, it can be helpful to measure things by number. It's good to count the offering. I'm glad we don't just throw it toward the bank and just hope it all works out. It's good. It's good to count how many people are in attendance so we know if someone's missing or if we should check on someone. It's good to know how many visitors are joining us. Welcome, visitors. We're glad you're here. Number is a good tool, but number is not the only tool, nor is it the right tool for every occasion. But it is often the only tool the church uses to determine success. One frequent question people ask is, how big is your church? First of all, it's not my church, it's Jesus, which sometimes when people call and say, I need to speak to the boss and I don't want to talk to him, I'm like, well, it's not me, Jesus is the boss, so he's not here, he will return. (laughs) I don't know when, see? (laughs) Never lie, but use God's truth the way, you know. Anyway, not my church, but... How big is your church? This is not a question with bad intent, but the size of the church is not the only or even best measure of success. Just as sales is not the only measure of success at Josh's Pizza Place. Friends, do we know how to measure success in the kingdom of God? Is it numbers only, or is there more to it than that? Let's see what Paul has to say in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Paul's relationship with the church at Corinth was complicated. He loved the church for sure, but there was also pain. There was pain between Paul and the church. Timothy delivered one letter to the church at Corinth, but after Paul had heard about all the division there, Paul decided to visit Corinth himself. In chapters 11 and 12, we discover one reason Paul visited Corinth was to stand up to the false apostles who said real Christian success was only measured by dramatic spirituality. One scholar noted that these false apostles, quote, criticized Paul because he refused to separate the cross and the resurrection and because Paul and his ministry were unimpressive by their theatrical standards. To them, Paul's conflicts and suffering were evidence of spiritual weakness. In other words, Paul, where's the fireworks? Where's the passion? Where's the impressive numbers, man? It looks like all you've done is suffer. Where is the success in that? Well, Paul answers these false apostles in our passage today, starting with verse 5. What we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord. But oh, how we are tempted to preach ourselves. What's on our mind, what we'd like to say, and who needs to hear it? Ever felt like that? Me too. What we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord. That's why we're here Kingdom success is not about us, friends. Kingdom success is not measured by who's most emotive, who uses the most Bible verses on their social media or website. It's not even measured by how many people are in the building. Hear this. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's not about them. It's about Jesus Christ. The rubric for success is not about how great we are. The rubric for success is this. Are we proclaiming Jesus Christ 
in all we do and in all we say or don't say. Sisters and brothers, Paul reminds us, we are not the treasure. Paul reminds us again and again, we are not the treasure. We are the earthen vessels. We are the jars of clay. We hold the treasure. Paul's jars of clay idea is countercultural because it tells us we are not the treasure. We are called to live for God, to serve others. We are beloved by God. Of course, yes, you are beloved. I hope someone's told you that. You are beloved by God, but we are not the treasure. The treasure is the power of God, and it is by that power we live. Friends, hear me. It is not in our power that we do anything. We are jars of clay, fragile, capable of being broken. But God has called us, you and me, to shine God's light for all to see, and it is in God's power, God's power, and God's power alone that we shine. And shine you have. Thank you for shining God's love and grace this week and always. And any success we have is because of the treasure we hold. Sometimes we can act humanity as if we are God's gift to the world when we lift a finger, which can make us forget about God and others. This attitude can make us think that we are the treasure, that we are the greatest. Speaking of the greatest, that was boxer Muhammad Ali's nickname. He called himself the greatest, and I read a great story where he might have possibly believed that a time or two. Years ago, when Muhammad Ali was at the top of his game, he was on an airplane, and they were about to take off. The flight attendant was walking by, asked all the passengers to buckle their seatbelts, and as she did a last-minute check, she noticed that Muhammad Ali's seatbelt was not fastened. So she gently reminded him, sir, you know, please buckle up. Muhammad Ali looked up and said, Superman doesn't need a seatbelt. And quickly but gently, the flight attendant replied, well, Superman didn't need an airplane either. (laughs) And then Muhammad Ali buckled his seatbelt. Isn't that great? I love it. Willing to learn. Friends, we are not the greatest. We are not the treasure. We are beloved, but we are not the treasure. We are not the light. God is. And this is good news because we cannot do what God can do. God's power raised Jesus from the dead. God's power fed thousands. God, God's power can help us forgive those we need to forgive, those who have hurt us. Friends, we are not God, and we know that cognitively, of course, but our lives may tell a different story. Our lives say, I can do this on my own. I don't need anyone. I'll call on God when I need God, but 98% of the time, I'm fine. I'm in control. I don't need God. don't need the church. We are not God, and we are not always in control. It drives me crazy, personally. Do any of you like to be in control? Okay, all right, like seven of you, so everybody else is fine, but I love to be in control of myself, of what happens, of how it happens, how things should shake out, but that's just not how life goes. I am not superwoman. You are not superman. We are not always in control, and guess what? That's a good thing because God, who is all-powerful and almighty God, is a merciful, loving, healing, life-giving God, and God can do things we cannot even dream up. God can do things we think are impossible. God is in the miracle-making 
business. I want to tell you about a miracle that happened in the life of my friend, Sharika. I asked Sharika's permission to share this with you, and Sharika and I both, as we have visited about this, we believe this miracle would not have occurred without the power of God. Sharika is a youth pastor now, but for a few years ago, she was serving in the public school system as a counselor at an elementary school in North Carolina. Sharika was the only African-American on staff there. One afternoon, Sharika was proctoring a test uh, with another teacher she didn't know in the school. The school was quite large. And the teacher kept her distance from Sharika. And later that day, the teacher told Sharika, I confess to you, I didn't want to be alone in the room with a black woman. The teacher then apologized to Sharika. Sharika and I were talking, and she told me the presence of Christ knocked down the sin of that woman's racism that day. Friends, it was a miracle. There was no talking between Sharika and the other woman during the test. Sharika didn't try to convince her that she was wrong. Sharika believes it was the power of God that convicted that teacher. Because earlier that morning, before the test, Sharika had prayed over her classroom that the power of God would be present, and it was. Sharika is a jar of clay that illumines God's treasure. And what a beautiful thing that is, isn't it? But it is not always easy. It wasn't easy for Sharika. Paul says as much in verses 8 and 9. Take a look. These jars of clay, that's us. We are not going to have it easy. But we will not, we cannot be destroyed because God's power is in us. We'll be knocked down, but guess what? We'll get up. We may be tugged this way and that, but we will not lose hope. People may not like us, but that's okay. We keep on keeping on proclaiming Jesus Christ as Lord, loving God and loving our neighbors. And friends, here's the crazy part. Verses 8 and 9, they are measures of kingdom success. I've been asked 1,000 times, how big is your church? But I've never been asked, is your church hard-pressed but not crushed? Are they perplexed but not in despair? Have they been struck down but not destroyed? These are a few of Paul's measures of kingdom success. Paul reminds us in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 that kingdom success, kingdom success is measured by proclaiming Jesus Christ, pointing to God's power, illumining the treasure, and trading our sorrows for the joy of the Lord. Friends, are we using Paul's measurements for kingdom success? Sisters and brothers, it's possible some of the Lord's successes will look like failure because we are operating with different measures of success. Number cannot be the only measure because God has consistently worked through a remnant. Read your Bibles. God works through a remnant. My mentor told me one of the biggest influences in his son's teenage years was his middle school Sunday school teacher. Do you know how many students were in that class? One. That is not successful by numbers, standards. But in terms of kingdom success, it's been a home run. That young man grew up, became a doctor, is a leader in his church, and a deeply committed Christian. Friends, 
we operate with different measures of success in the kingdom. So remember that. The next time something you're dreaming or planning for God seems like a failure. In terms of the kingdom, it may be a whopping success. Sales is not the only measure of success at my cousin Josh's pizza place. And numbers are not our only measure here. My prayer is we learn to measure success with the tools Paul has given us today. Let us pray together. Almighty God, what a gift it is to be part of your family, Lord. I thank you for every brother, every sister that is gathered here today. I thank you, Lord, for your living word, Jesus, for the written word, scripture, that instructs, informs, teaches, and convicts us. Lord, by your power, we pray that you would guide and lead us to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ in all we do and left and all we say. I pray all this in the name of Jesus, by the power of Holy Spirit. Amen.